series of uh, in 2021, uh, things. All things new. All things new. That was me. I saw you. You didn't have a beard. Right? Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> one sermon that I saw you. I think it's the last one of that. I, that's what brought me here. Awesome. I I saw was on your website in February or March or something like that, and something about Catholic, and I didn't. Mm. In there. Creed, okay, Creed, yep. I got scared of it. Okay. I thought, oh no, they're hooked up with Catholic. Right? right. You're not. No, we're not. And so then I saw, went back again the other day, uh, last week, and saw you, and I went, oh, they talk about the end. We're living in the end times, and mm. you're talking about it, and yeah. I, that's it. We're so glad I you're here. There. We're glad you're here this morning. Uh, nice <laughs> yeah, to welcome. Well, nice to see you, yeah. Thank you, everyone. I'm so glad to meet you all. Awesome. We'll chat after, okay? Yeah. We have a birthday in the room. What? Richard, it's his 68th birthday this morning. Can we can we quickly just sing happy birthday to Richard? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Richard. Happy birthday to you. We're glad you're here, Richard. Happy birthday, buddy. All right, guys, so I'm going to hop right in. Um, I wanted to give you guys a brief update on uh, my trip to Montreal, just a few reflections, and that will kind of set the tone for talking about friendship. <clears throat> so I spent this week, Tuesday to Friday, with some friends in Montreal, and uh, a couple things stuck out to me on the drive there. So it's, we drove... Um, from here, so it's about an eight hour drive. Uh, so Fred Erb and Steve Best and I drove together. And Fred and Steve are some of the most unassuming guys you'll ever meet, but they are incredible men. And uh, I was blown away just, I was hearing them share, I mean, eight hours is a long time, you talk a lot. And I was just sitting there listening to all these stories that they had over the years of, of like living life together, of they both are pastors and have led churches for longer than I've been alive. And um, they, they had so many stories that they were connected in. Like, hey, remember that time where that lady did this? Remember that time where that prophetic word happened and then this happened and then this happened? And they were like, oh yeah, that was like 1979 or that was, you know, 2006 or that was last week when we were, or last month when we were in Peru together. And there was just this beautiful story or stories of their friendship and God using their friendship to kind of further his kingdom, to share the gospel, to um, speak of who he is. And so both these guys are faithful men. Um, and the thing that blew me away is that both of these guys have gone out of their way to visit me over the last few years. So Steve lives all the way in Peterborough. So he drives three hours to come and have lunch with me at the Paris Street building and then drives three hours back. And he's just there listening to me, talking to me, asking how it's doing here, like how you guys are doing, how can we pray for you, sharing funny stories about random, you know, ministry failures along the way. And um, I, yeah, anyway, so I was just blown away by that. But it was crazy because on the drive there, um, you, you guys have been praying and Scott had texted me like, hey man, how's it going? And I was like, dude, you are not going to believe this. Within the first hour of the drive, Steve had brought up the secret place 
He had brought up faithfulness and learning to trust God like he's actually telling the truth. I didn't, I hadn't told him anything that we're teaching through or talking through or anything. So those of you guys who, do, those of you who don't know, those are basically the last two messages we've talked about here. And they're just talking about how God's spirit is doing something that he's, he's reminding us of these basic things. And so I, my, my brain was blown and it was like one hour into the week or a weekend away. Um, and both of these guys, they carry this dream to, like, together, but also separately, uniquely, about God moving in Ontario. Like that they want to see God move in our country, in our province, in our friendships that are already there and those that will come in real and powerful ways. So that was like the first thing that really struck me. I was like, okay, there's, there's something to be said about faithfully walking with other people, about not being alone, that God can use. Then we get there, and uh, there's seven of us, or seven other guys, so myself and seven other guys. And there's another friendship uh, between these guys named Joe and Gary. All these guys have such classic old men names. Joe, Gary, Fred, Steve. I thought that was funny. I was telling my kids, and they were cackling. Um, and, they, and Tom, you know. There you go. I was trying to avoid it, but yes. Um, so we were just a bunch of old men waddling around Fred, uh, Montreal. But they were telling us these stories about how their friendship began and how in the, in the 90s, they both got, had these radical encounters with God. They're from Fredericton. They met each other at this young adults thing or something. And they ended up planning a church together. And so they lead a church together now in Fredericton. That's a great church. And it was cool because they know each, know each other so well. Have you guys ever been around friends that know each other so well? They're like finishing each other's sentences. Like, no, no, no. Remember, no. She was sitting there and they remember all the details of each other's lives. There's a bunch of that. And they were telling us the most outrageous, incredibly hilarious and painful and intense stories about their time together and in leading and in friendship. And there was something beautiful about, so Stephen and Fred, friends forever, faithful to each other. Joe and Gary, friends for a long time, have a shared purpose to see God's kingdom come in Fredericton. And they have a beautiful, messy past. But their, their willingness to share and invite us into their lives was something that really stuck out to me there, where they're sharing these stories. They're willing to share both their successes and their failures with us. Um, I was the youngest guy there, but some of us younger guys. So we did that. So I saw two beautiful friendships on display that really stuck out to me. And all we did, guys, was just spend time sharing heart with one another. How are you doing? How's your heart? And then we spent a dedicated amount of time praying and prophesying over each guy. And it was beautiful. Nothing fancy, nothing um, slick. It wasn't like a conference. It was just in an Airbnb. And we would just take turns. And there were snotty tears that were shed. And there were laughs shared, and there was glasses of wine shared. It was a great time together. But the, the kind of the theme that came through as each of us were sharing is God is doing something different than we expected him to do. So it's like we all have our ideas of how God's going to work and move in our own lives, but maybe even for us as pastors, we think, okay, if I have this plan, then if I do step one and step two and step three, God will surely show up and move. And this is kind of what we talked about last week with that. It reminded me of Rich or Roger's picture of the roadmap way of living or the deep sea chart way of living. And so I think all of us were realizing like, oh man, I tried the roadmap way and it did not work. But God is calling us into this deep sea, sea chart reading thing that's messier and different, but that is the best thing for us. So I won't go into all the details, but there's a bunch of prophetic words that came that were really like impactful and made sense and kind of went along the same lines. But the other thing 
and all this will make sense in a bit as we continue our talk together, was as we were sitting talking and, and sharing heart and, and, want, and feeling like, man, maybe God, there is something here amongst us, these seven guys. The thing that came through was we have to be willing to take the time to make this work. We can't rush into this and be like, okay, now we're going to do this together. We're going to become a network. We're going to be doing all these things. It's, hey, you know what? It took Steve and Fred 40 years to get to where they are. It took Gary and Joe, you know, 25 years to get to where they are. But what is, there's no rush. Let's learn to get to know each other. Let's work towards building friendship with other people. And so for us here, what that looks like is I, I talked to Steve and Fred about coming and preaching on a Sunday soon so that you guys can get to know Steve and Fred. And there's another guy in Ottawa that we're talking about getting our wives together for a meal and then maybe him coming and then me going there. But the point being, which is what you prayed, God did not make us to do this alone. And so we're not, it's, it is not good for man to be alone. It's not good for Anchor Point Church to be alone. And so we've tried in spurts and starts and fails and start overs to try to figure out like who's the family of churches we're a part of. But it feels like God's doing something. It's going to take longer than we think it's going to take. I think that's okay. It's a good thing. Um, so what I want to talk to you guys about this morning is that as we ourselves, as individuals, are learning to spend time in the secret place with God, to build into our friendship with God, inevitably, walking with God will lead you into friendship with other people. It's unavoidable. As we spend time with God, He's going to lead us back into relationship with, with one another. So I want to talk to you guys this morning about friendship. But before we do that... Um, Actually, let's read first. If you guys have your Bibles, let's turn to John chapter 15. And it's a real simple message this morning, guys, but I just feel like God is in this. It's cool already to hear the different scriptures or prayers or thoughts that have come through already. So John chapter 15, I'm going to read verses 1 to 17. Jesus says this, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. I'm going to read that one more time. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. 
Let's pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we are humbled this morning by your presence with us. We are thankful and grateful for your word to us here this morning. And I ask, Lord, that you would um, speak to our hearts. That again, like we were singing this morning, Lord, would you till up the fallow ground in each of us? Lord, where we have our own hangups and baggage and pain around friendship, I pray, Lord, would you begin a healing work this morning? Even as we just begin to think about and talk about friendship. Holy Spirit, would you come um, open up our eyes where they need to be open? Teach us about friendship this morning, we ask. Lord, we want to be like you. We want to share the love that we've received in Jesus in real and tangible ways. And I pray, Lord, that you would begin to, to spark and to plant in us um, a deep hunger for friendship, um, a recognition that we need one another, and that it's a gift and a privilege to walk through this life together. So we love you, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys good? All right. So friendship is a great source of joy and a great source of pain and everything in between. Amen. All of it. It is messy. It is hard. It is good. It is bad. It is ugly. It is all of the above. But it's so necessary. That's right. We need friends. Yes. I have so much faith, guys, that we that God is going to birth and sustain healthy, godly, authentic friendships in this very church. Now, this is something that actually we're going to be known for as a community, is how we are friends with God and friends with one another. Uh, Ray Ortland says this about friendship. He says, a faithful friend who loves at all times, that person is rare. Anyone else find that to be true? A faithful man, who can find? A brother is stuck with you. <laughs> a brother is obligated to be some kind of safety net. That is what family is for, but a friend chooses you. When someone loves you at all times, good and bad, and they don't have to, but they choose to, that person is a friend. A true friend is rock solid. So a basic definition of a true friend, someone who chooses to love you, the good, the bad, and the ugly at all times. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Roger, I didn't see you there. A true friend knows who you really are and does not walk, or in some cases, my case, run away. A true friend knows who you really are and does not walk away. I told you this story before, but I think it's the, the best example I have of this is when Josh Ross first came to our house and he asked if he could just take a look around. And we were thinking like, he'll just walk around the general um, family room or like the space that's appropriate for people to walk around. And so he started there and then he just kind of kept going. He's like, well, what's in this cupboard? He started to open cupboards. What's in here? And then what's in here? And what's in Jess is looking at me. My wife is looking at me with huge eyes like, what is he doing? And uh, he kept going, which is great. And then our basement was um, a catastrophe. It was crazy, dirty and messy. And he just he ended up in the basement and looking around. He's like, why do you have this? And what's this? And what's this for? And just asking all these questions. And um, it was humbling, and it was great, and it was, like we were talking about friendship, all of the above. But uh, I didn't even know him. He just showed up at my house. No, I'm just kidding. I, was, I knew him for a while. But he, he came over for the first time. And so the point is, our fear, our anxiety is, okay, if someone comes in and sees my mess, they're not going to want to be friends with me anymore. If they really know me, they're going to run out the front door, and that will be the end of things. 
And for Josh, that was the complete opposite. He was more interested in, in the, the messier things got, the more interested he was in, in staying friends. Like, why do you have so much stuff in the basement or whatever that might be? But you guys get what I'm saying. There's this, there's this thing about real friendship that our real mess, our, who we really are, doesn't scare one another away. And the truth is, Josh has a mess in his basement. And he has stuff in his cupboard that he has no purpose for as well. So I could do the same thing to him, and, and it wouldn't change anything, right? So we all have a mess, but, but the, the opportunity in real friendship is to, is to let that mess be known, to find that there are people who are not going to be scared away by that. They're going to love you whether your basement is clean or dirty, right? So that is the picture of friendship that we're going for. The perfect picture of friendship, of course, is Jesus and us, right? So let's read Romans 5, verses 6 to 11 together. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. That's the gospel in a nutshell, guys. So we, Jesus comes and lays down his life for us, for his friends. What was your name? Is it Elizabeth? Yeah. What, what Elizabeth was praying, guys, was the gospel. That, that, that our sinful brokenness, our messy basements, as it were, Jesus came and looked at all of it, saw all of it, looked at us back in the eye and said, hey, I see all your mess and I still want you. I want to be with you in your mess. I want to come with you and go through it and help you figure out what's going on in there. None of these things scare me away because deep, deep down in you, the, the greatest desire you have is to be friends with me. And from before the foundation of the world, I wanted to be friends with you. So let's work through this. So I'm willing to lay down my own life to get you back into relationship. I want you. I want to be with you. I want to be your friend. And so Jesus knows who we really are, the good, the bad, the ugly, our, ugly, our ugliness. And he still wants relationship with us. So much so that he went all the way through to laying down his own life for us. Jesus, from the very depth of his being, wants to share with us what he's already known his whole life, right? The relationship of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, perfect love, acceptance, friendship of God, he wants to share with us. And so as we ourselves experience friendship with God, inevitably we're going to want to share friendship with other people. And so that's kind of how this whole idea works. Everything God has done to us and for us, now he wants to do through us. Okay, so let's think about it this way. So we, we can often get this backwards. We can come into church and think about, okay, we're going to hear a message on friendship. H how do I do it? What am I supposed to do now to be a friend? And I think for us to stay gospel-centered, for us to keep Jesus and who he is at the very center of everything that we're trying to do, it's important to get this order right. So God, who God is, is expressed in what God has done. And this has an immediate effect on who we are and what we do. And so we often want to get those things backwards, okay? So let's think, let's think it through in terms of, actually, let me read a quote, and then we'll think it through in terms of friendship with God. Jesus gave everything to his friends. 
his knowledge of God in his own life. Jesus is our model for friendship because he loved without limits and he makes it possible for us to live a life of friendship because we have been transformed by everything he shared with us. Through friendship, we come to know God and through friendship, we enact the love of God. We can risk being friends because Jesus has already been a friend to us. Okay, so everything God has done to us and for us, he now wants to do through us. So let's think about it this way. So God has been in Jesus a loving friend to us because he has chosen to love you and me, both the good, the bad, and the ugly. So if we really grab a hold of this, if the gospel really gets into us and we realize that God accepts us as we really are, but not enough to leave us that way, that he loves us into transformation and that he wants us to become whole in Jesus, we have a new identity now that we are actually a beloved friend of God. So who God is, he's a loving friend. What God has done, he's chosen to love us through, in the gospel. Gives me a, do, a new identity. See, so who I am is now a beloved friend of God, not an enemy of God. And because now I'm a beloved friend of God, what I get to do is I get to choose to love you guys. I get to choose to love the good parts of you, the bad parts of you, the ugly parts of you. Because that is what God has done for me. Right? So I like going back to the Josh analogy, I can go into Josh's basement and not and, and show him that I'm not going to go anywhere. So everything, so everything is, is that is, needs to be in that order. Who God is, what God has done, who we are, and what we do in light of that. So Jesus gave us everything. He gave us his own life, and he gave us his knowledge of God, right? Sin, is, sin what it does is it gets us so twisted and confused about who God is and what God is really like. But in, through his life, death, and resurrection and ascension, he shows us what the Father is really like. And so when we're thinking about being friends, um, prob probably it's not going to come to the point of us actually physically laying down our life like Jesus did. It, it may. But I think what, what he's getting at here is how do we share everything that we have? Like how do we give of all that we do actually have in our lives? How do we share the knowledge we have of God with one another? So as we're thinking about understanding and growing in our awareness of God's grace and mercy, how do you share that to the fullest with the people around you? How do you immediately extend that to your neighbor who's driving you crazy or your kids who won't shut up or your, your spouse who's driving you absolutely up the wall or to yourself as you're struggling through things yourself? So what, what we're invited into as friends of God is, is this ongoing idea of using our whole lives to testify to the friendship and the love of God that we now share. So as, we're, as we as a church are taking seriously this challenge to spend 10 minutes every day in the secret place with God, how do you, how do you from that place of hopefully receiving God's love immediately go out into the friendships you have and begin to share that with other people? Begin to see them differently as you, um, by God's grace, are seeing yourself differently or him differently. I said this already, but as we spend time with God <clears throat> in friendship, inevitably we'll end up in friendship with other people. This at its core is a reflection of the Trinitarian nature of our God, Father, Son, and Spirit. It's like when you get to know someone who's great, you want your friends to get to know that person. So we think about the Trinity, like no one's jealous there. The father's not like, hey, pay attention to me. He's like, have you met my son? Have you met Jesus? And Jesus is like, oh my gosh, dude, you have to meet my father. 
And the Spirit's like, oh my goodness, Jesus is the best thing ever. Have you, have you seen Jesus before? And that's what the relationship is like. And so imagine friendships that were like that. Like, have you guys met John Burnett? He's a great dude. He's amazing. Have you guys met Frank? He's pretty awesome too. So. Yeah, that would be great, right? It would be amazing. Yeah. Have you met Elizabeth? Same idea. Like, how do we, how do, we do that? No, go for it. I was thinking Christians, true believing Christians should have a sign on themselves because they can't find them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love talking to people and everything. Then you start talking about the Lord. Yeah. It's it's interesting that you bring that up, Elizabeth, because I was going to get to that. But the sign is actually, look at how they love one another. That's that's what the sign is. So Jesus says that if you love one another, that's how people will know you're my disciples. So as we grow in friendship, it's going to become evident to people that, oh man, they must know Jesus. And so that is what we're really getting at. Well done. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we look like we're enlightened. We're like, wow. And they want to be like, they look at us and they go, oh. Yeah. That's how I feel right now. Yeah. I feel so like a light sun. Cool. That's great. (laughs) Good. 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 All right. So we want to be friends because God's befriended us. So everything God's done to us and for us, he now wants to do through us. We need to recognize our own need for friendship. And so I just have a few thoughts, guys. Again, this message is really basic. But friendship is a few things. Friendship for us as followers of Jesus is essential. It is non-negotiable. We need friendship with one another. Genesis 2.18, it's been quoted a couple times already. God says it's not good for man to be alone. The next thing, friendship is essential. The second thing, friendship is intentional. If we think about the the picture of Steve and Fred, those guys, they drive all the way to Allison to be a friend to me. It's not accidental. It's like, oh, we bumped into each other. We would never bump into one another. We live hours apart. I couldn't have said it better myself, Roger. Yes. Um, exactly. It's intentional. We, we work towards it. In the early church, we see in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to fellowship. They made effort. They sought out one another. They worked to see each other. So friendship is essential. Friends, friendship is intentional. Thirdly, friendship is honest or vulnerable, you could say. Proverbs 24.26 says, an honest answer is like a kiss of friendship. Friends will not BS you. They will not flatter you. They will not blow smoke up your rear end. There's no pretense. It is honest. And, and C.S. Lewis puts it this way. He says, Eros or romantic love will have naked bodies. Friendship will have naked personalities. So this is who I really am. This is my basement, as it were. This is who I really am. And then hopefully the, it's reciprocated. This is who I really am. So friendship is honest and vulnerable because in that place of letting Josh into my basement, it is a bit vulnerable, but it's worth it. Okay, friendship is essential, intentional, honest, and vulnerable. Fourth, friendship is just costly. Really it. 
is Roger, like you're saying, the cost of gas to go from here from here to Peterborough. Or for us, even in this Montreal, we paid to stay in an Airbnb and to drive there, but it is a worthwhile endeavor. John 15 verse 13 says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friend. So we need to know that friendship itself is costly. Uh, J.R. Miller <clears throat> says this, to become another's friend in the true sense is to take the other into such close living fellowship that his life and ours are knit together as one. It is far more than a pleasant companionship in bright sunny hours. A genuine friendship is entirely unselfish. It seeks no benefit or good of its own. It does not love for what it may receive, but for what it may give. Its aim is not to be served, but to serve. So in closing, guys, um, this whole series is through this whole idea of surrendering our ideas about things to God and trusting Jesus for his. So surrendering our ideas about who God really is and trusting God for his idea of who he is and who we are. And so even with this idea of friendship, all of us have our own picture or idea of what friendship could be and should be, right? Yeah. And I think it's, it's appropriate for us as disciples, all of life is now lived for Jesus. All of life, all of good and bad and in between is now defined by Jesus. So even friendship, we need to surrender our own picture of friendship, our own ideas about friendship, and we need to trust Jesus for his. He was a great example. Yeah, he was a great example of friendship. That's right. The thing is, we have a great opportunity to experience God through human friendship. Anyone have those moments of like when someone, you, I, have, I have memories of confessing sin to someone. And them just looking me in the eye and saying, hey, still love you. I'm not going anywhere. That's a tangible, like I can see that person with my own eyes. I can feel their hand on my shoulder. Picture of God. Because we can read that in the scripture and know, okay, God forgives me when I confess my sin. But when I can do that to you and you can do that to me, that's something altogether different. Yeah, it's like friendship is like me being me and letting you see me. Exactly. Do you want to preach? You're just basically, that's really good. <laughs> That wasn't like I'm saying you're, what you're saying is really good. Um, no, no, no. All good. You're right. That's what it is. It's like, I want you to see me. Like that's the going back to God. God sees us as we really are. And he's, he still chooses us. And that's what we want to model in our friendship. Exactly. Exactly. He is. Yes. Um, so as we uh, surrender our pictures of, uh, of friendship to God, we trust God for his as we continue to hopefully, hopefully you guys are accepting this challenge of spending time in the secret place. We return full of love, um, the love of God, knowledge of God, friendship with God. And then we find ourselves brought into or invited into the midst of growing, deepening friendships that are seen as essential, are gone after intentionally, are considerably vulnerable and messy. We are willing to pay the cost for these things and I think really important, I didn't really ha hammer on this, but they're built slowly. That there has to be a measure of, of space and time that we give to friendships developing. And, and I think that the, all these things, the, seeing them as essential, being intentional about them, learning to be vulnerable, willing to pay the cost, this, all these things take time to form, right? And so um, I, I have just a really simple prayer for us to pray at the end. But I feel in my heart, like I already shared, guys, I have faith that this is what God wants to do in us. That it's not just like, even the thinking about Adam, Adam walked with God and then he still said, it's still not good for you to be alone. 
So we can spend all this time in the secret place, which is beautiful and good, but inevitably we still need each other. Like, it can't just be like, I just go alone, but I just, you know, I go off to my closet and I don't really need you. They're, they're tied together. We need to love God and we need to love people. Does that sound familiar? So there's this thing, there's this tension there or that, that works together in, in beautiful ways. And so I have a real faith. I, I trust God. I believe God that he's going to form real friendships in this room. And not only with people in this room, but beyond, that's going to spill out. We're going to learn how to be friends with one another so that we can welcome other people into friendship and teach other people how to be friends. And I think that's what evangelism or mission really is. Sure. I see that you're saying that you're going on. Friendship is built slowly. I'm seeing lately, and I see, like I said in my prayer, I'm, I've been here since February. I haven't got a friend. Mm. Ah. I'm seeing that since technology came in, yeah. I'm old, mm. right? You can see that, right? <laughs> I don't know how to do the internet. Right. I'm, I don't like texting. I don't like all emails. Why don't we just get together? Yeah. And yep. people are not doing that anymore. It's true. And it's like, I can text you anytime, whatever, but I never have to see you. I know. And it's so, what happened? Yeah. I was praying about that the other day. I was thinking, why did this, when did this happen? Yeah. Like, we're not connecting like we used to. And then the COVID thing. Came. True. So many I things, saw, right? Because I saw you on the internet yeah. on the sermon. With no beard. We were, yeah. We were talking about uh, how, like, the isolation, right? Yeah. There's so many people right now really hurting. Yeah. And they're still isolating. Yes. Yeah. People still carrying, wearing masks, right? Yeah. So there's so many people out there hurting. It's true. And you were talking about uh, the, I just wanted to bring up the, the, the internet yeah. as, as being a distant thing. Definitely so, works against us for sure. So, no, it's good. One, one more thing, guys. I think I had, a, we were praying this morning and then I'll pray for us and then we can figure out what to do from there. But I was getting, our dog was out in the yard this morning and she has to get her, her paws washed off uh, in a little Tupperware thing. And so I'm, I'm washing her feet off and it's the water that I'm washing it off in is getting dirtier and dirtier as each paw goes in. And then she's like, I'm washing her feet and she's trying to drink the water at the same time. It's disgusting. Just dogs are gross. And, and I was like, Jenny, Jenny, stop, stop. And then she was so impatient. She was thirsty, which makes sense. But she's so desperate that she's settling for this nasty water. And I literally was about to go fill up her water bowl and give her something fresh. So I think there's this whole idea that for us, we have to be patient with God. Some of us this morning might be like desperate for friends. Don't settle for the dirty dog paw water. Trust that God has clean, fresh water for you this morning with friendship. And so it's going to take time. It's going to be costly. It requires vulnerability and willingness to face messy things. It needs to be intentional, but it is 100% essential for us as disciples of Jesus. Okay. Let me pray for us. And then um, that'll probably be it for this morning. It's, it's a bit, bit late. Good. All right. Simple prayer. Jesus, teach us how to be friends like you are. Amen. Amen. All right, so... Can I say one quick word? Yeah, go for it, Roger. I want to thank everyone in, in this parish for praying for my wife. You're welcome. Every day amazes me how she is recovering. I know she will never be 100%, but she's able...